I'd like to begin by asking you a question. How easy do you find it to trust? I guess many of us have found ourselves increasingly trusting uh, over the last few weeks and months. We felt vulnerable, haven't we? There's a, a silent killer out there, a virus which threatens us. We can't see it, we can't control it. And so we've placed a huge amount of trust in well, politicians and experts to guide us and to protect us in the midst of all our fears. We've listened to their instructions and we've done what they've said. Uh, we have locked down. We have self-isolated. Uh, we have socially distanced. We've even gone so far as to stop hugging loved ones because that's what they told us was safe. You see, in all of life, to trust is, well, inherently human. We're born as small, frail, fragile creatures who are desperately dependent on our mothers for nourishment and for nurture. As children, we grow and we depend on our parents to bring us up in a safe environment to save us from immaturity. As we grow, we find our place and our trust placed in loved ones to save us from loneliness or our finances to save us from poverty or in the NHS to save us from illness. When we feel vulnerable, we always look to people who will save us or to things that will save us and protect us. And let's face it, some of them are better than others. So the question I guess we need to ask is not how hard do we find it to trust, but whom do we trust? And are they worthy to receive that trust? You see, that's what Jesus was talking a bit about earlier on in the Bible. He, he speaks of a picture of some sheep and someone looking after the sheep and a wolf. The wolf is prowling around, the ferocious hunter that's looking to devour uh, the sheep. You've probably seen something similar in a, a wildlife documentary where you've got the predator who, who is creeping up, stalking their prey. And, well, the prey is there blissfully unaware until suddenly they are pounced upon. What the sheep need in this situation is a protector. Someone who is able to see the danger in advance and stand in between them and the wolf. Someone who can keep them safe. Someone who can protect them. And Jesus talks of two potential people, doesn't he? Uh, he speaks there in verses 11 and 12. There is the good shepherd and there is the hired hand. Now, for the most part, the hired hand and the good shepherd will look the same. Uh, the hired hand and the good shepherd will sit with the sheep. They'll feed the sheep. Uh, the sheep would trust their instructions. They would believe that they're looked for, looked after and cared for. They're secure. The hired hand would receive their wages and at the end of the day, everybody would be content with a job well done. When times are good, everyone is happy. But what happens the moment that there's a threat? Well, what does he do? He sees the wolf coming and he abandons them. He disappears. You see, his choice is this. Am I going to protect the sheep or am I going to protect myself? I'm in danger here. 
and so he's nowhere to be seen. He offers no protection for the sheep. The sheep are scattered. You see, the issue about the hired hand, he's not like the the thief in verse 10 who's there to kill and steal and destroy. You see, the hired hand isn't malicious towards the sheep. No, he appears quite caring. But when things are bad, the choice is whether he looks after himself or protects the sheep. What's going on is a question of interest and whose interest comes first. For the most part, the hired hands and the sheep's interests are exactly the same. But when there's a choice to be made, there is no choice. Me, the hired hand, or the sheep? The hired hand cares nothing for the sheep because he cares more for himself. And the sheep discover that in the most devastating of ways. Now, it's clear here that Jesus isn't just talking literally about sheep. He's using the picture to speak of people. We are all like those sheep, looking to others whom we trust to protect us in the midst of our struggles and vulnerability. We all do it. Many of us will know when times are tough, the people we've trusted to rely on. Well, they look out for their own self-interest rather than our own interests. We're probably seeing it increasingly in politics, where people seem more and more to be questioning whether the policies are made for us or for the good of the politicians and their friends. Uh, There are scandals of big businessmen raiding pension pots to maintain their own lifestyles. But what about those other times? When your boss chooses not to confront the bully in the workplace because it's just going to be too uncomfortable for them. Or or the team leader who's not a team player and expects others to do overtime when they just head off home themselves. Maybe even closer to home when a husband or wife leaves because they're just fed up with being married. Or children left without a parent because the parent doesn't want that responsibility anymore. There are plenty more examples, but the consequences are all the same. They leave behind them a wake of destruction, devastation, people traumatised and and burnt by having their trust betrayed. Many of us will know that experience when we say to ourselves, I thought they cared, but they only care about themselves. It's often said of people that they have trust issues. And I believe that we live in a culture of trust issues. But it's no surprise, is it, in an increasingly individualistic society, that people look out for number one. It's crushing when we realise that someone else's interests trump our own. That they're looking after themselves, but do you know the sad reality is that We're all guilty of that, aren't we? We all know times where we've let others down because this is a problem with all humanity. Even religious leaders can be the same. People are often sceptical of the church, aren't they? More interested in their power or reputation than caring for people. And sometimes that's a legitimate charge. But just come back with me briefly to the Old Testament, to Ezekiel in chapter 34. Because God speaks there specifically against the shepherds of Israel, the people who were supposed to be leading the church of the time 
about 600 years before Jesus. Woe to you, shepherds of Israel, who only take care of yourselves. Should not the shepherds take care of the flock? You eat the curds, clothe yourselves with the wool and slaughter the choice animals. But you do not take care or uh, do not ca- take care of the flock. You have not strengthened the weak or healed the sick or bound up the injured. You have not brought back the strays or searched for the lost. You have ruled them harshly and brutally. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd. And when they were scattered, they became food for all the wild animals. My sheep wandered over all the mountains and on every high hill. They were scattered over the whole earth and no one searched or looked for them. How does God feel about it? Well, God is angry, isn't he? Woe to you, shepherds who only take care of yourself. I am against the shepherds, God says. This is what I want us all to hear today. Where we've been victims of people whom we've trusted and they've shown themselves to be more concerned for self-preservation. God is angry. And he's particularly angry when those people are those who claim to represent him. He cares about it. He cares about victims. So much so that he was prepared to do something about it. See what he says in the next few verses of Ezekiel chapter 34 verses 11 to 16. For this is what the Sovereign Lord says. I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them, so I will look after my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on a day of clouds and darkness. I will bring them out from the nations and gather them from the countries. And I will bring them into their own land. I will pasture them on the mountains of Israel, in the ravines and in all the settlements in the land. I will tend them in good pasture, and the mountain heights of Israel will be their grazing land. There they will lie down in good grazing land, and there they will feed in rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I myself will tend my sheep and have them lie down, declares the Sovereign Lord. I will search for the lost and bring back the strays. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak, but the sleek and the strong I will destroy. I will shepherd the flock with justice. Did you notice that repeated phrase? I myself, I will. The Lord sees the religious hired hands who are going through the motions and not caring about the people that they're supposed to care for. And God promises that he will step in and he will do that job to shepherd the sheep. And then in John, we saw, didn't we? And we can see again, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. It says that in verses 11 and 15 and 17. I lay down my life for the sheep. The hired hands on the one hand chose self-interest. But the good shepherd chooses sacrifice. He steps in between the danger and the sheep. He risks himself in order to protect the sheep because their well-being comes before his own. That's not normal. It's remarkably unusual. And it's worth pondering on briefly. After the First World War, many communities were trying to come to terms with 
the, the loss of many family members. And in Melbourne, in Australia, they built a great big building called the Shrine of Remembrance. It was designed to be able to be seen from all sorts of directions, with long boulevards, so that you wouldn't forget the sacrifices that had been made. And on the 11th of November, at 11am, a shard of light comes through one of the windows, and it shines on a stone in the floor. In fact, it shines on one particular word on that stone. Love. The heart of sacrifice is love. The whole stone reads this. Greater love has no man. It stops there, sadly, but it's a quote from Jesus himself in John chapter 15. It goes on. Greater love has no one than this that he lay down his life for his friends. Over two world wars and many more regional battles since, millions of men and women have fought to protect others from danger. Tragically, many lost their lives, but their sacrifice is not forgotten. The thing is, Jesus didn't come to fight in the hope of survival. Jesus knew he would die he came to die. See verse 18. He lays down his life of his own accord. You see, the hired hand saves himself and cares nothing for the sheep. But the good shepherd sacrifices himself because he loves the sheep. The good shepherd shows us what God is like because the good shepherd is God himself, a God who loves so look at what love involves. Well, it's there in the, uh, in the passage, all the things that the good shepherd does. Firstly, he knows the sheep. There's an intimacy reflecting the relationship uh, from eternity with God the Father and God the Son. Just as God the Father knows God the Son, so the shepherd knows the sheep. You see, the shepherd knows and he loves Sometimes we feel the need to hide truths about ourselves because we fear the response that we're going to get from others. If, if only they knew what I'm like, we think. But the Good Shepherd knows everything there is to know about us, even better than we know ourselves. And he loves the sheep. He loves us. Secondly, we see him speaking to the sheep, don't we? Uh, the shepherds of Jesus' time didn't have a sheepdog. Instead, they would lead the sheep and they would call them. They would speak to them. It's his voice that guides and leads them. I, I sometimes go for walks with friends and their dogs. Uh, and depending upon how well trained the dogs are, uh, they respond to their calls of their owner. But they won't respond to the calls of strangers. So, for example, uh, Duncan, my mate, and his dog Angus. Yes, they are stereotypically Scottish. So Duncan calls his dog, he says, Angus, and Angus comes bounding over. He trusts his master's care. He knows his master's voice. But Angus doesn't come to me in the same way. You see, it was the same, same way with sheep and their shepherds. The good shepherd calls his sheep. And we see in verse 16 that the sheep listen to his voice. In Ezekiel, we read, didn't we, about how the Lord will lead his sheep into good pasture. 
And if you're familiar with Psalm 23, you know the verse. He leads me in green pastures. And the Good Shepherd still speaks today. In the Bible, we have God's words to us, leading us to be wise in how to live, how to love, how to care, how to enjoy life best, as it says in verse 10, how to live life to the full. In John 6, Peter says of Jesus, you have the words of eternal life. You see, Jesus, the good shepherd, shows his love for his sheep by speaking to them and leading them into life well lived, knowing God and living with him. We see also that Jesus is the one uh, who unites his sheep as one flock. You see, backgrounds doesn't matter when it comes to the flock of God. Where we come from isn't important. What qualifications we have or we don't have, how much we earn or don't, all of those things we might think are really important, but actually they aren't. You see, where there's plenty of normal reasons for people to feel different and to people for, for people to feel isolated, it's the shepherd who defines his flock and brings them together, who unites them. Fourthly, he binds up the injured and strengthens the weak. He makes them to lie down. You see, the security that we crave for, the protection that we need, he provides it. Sheep can only lie down when they're safe. And that's what the good shepherd does for them. When they struggle, he's there to show concern and care, providing the very help, care and support that they need. Maybe that's you at the moment. Maybe you're aware of all the places that you've looked for in the past to find protection and security. And your experience is that, well, they've all been empty. Promises not delivered, hopes dashed, and it's difficult to make ourselves vulnerable again to trust once more. So we have to ask, well, is Jesus worth trusting? Can I be sure that he isn't just like everybody else and lead me into disappointment and destruction and devastation. Well, we need to look not just at what he says, but what he does. Have a look at verse 18. Jesus says, No one takes my life from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. You see, for Jesus, death wouldn't be a tragic accident. It wouldn't be a case of the headlines reading, Wolf slaughters shepherd, but the sheep are spared. Jesus has authority to lay down his life. It's not a battle in which he fails, but a conscious decision to die. That might sound remarkable for us. It certainly wasn't easy. You see, Jesus, prior to his death, was in anguish. To the point of sweating blood, he cried out for another way, but... This was why he came to earth. In one sense, Jesus could have decided against it. He could have saved himself, but he chose a path of love. He came to die to save others. And that's what he did. Do you know that as Jesus hung on the cross, people mocked him saying, he saved others, but he cannot save himself. They were mocking him, but do you see the irony? He gives himself up that others might be saved. 
Jesus' authority stretched, though, beyond death itself. As Jesus says, he has the authority to take his life back up again. So as John records in his gospel, death could not hold Jesus. He was raised and appeared to many more people. Jesus' words were met with action. His promises were genuine. They held true. And there is the evidence. Jesus did lay down his life. But he also had authority to take it back up again. The wolf could kill, but he couldn't destroy the good shepherd. And that's the evidence we need to know that he can be trusted. Because he embraced death in order to defeat it once and for all. Come back more, uh, come back next week to hear more on that idea. Because you will see the good shepherd is good to his word. So will that mean that living under the good shepherd is an easy life? Well, no. I know that as a church family, you're going through a lot at the moment. But know this, the good shepherd is with you and he is good. It isn't a promise that you'll never die. But the good shepherd walks with you through the valley of the shadow of death and he will bring you safely home. This isn't a promise that you won't be abandoned by a spouse, but the good shepherd calls you and says that he will never leave you nor forsake you. This isn't a promise that you or your loved ones will always make good choices, but the good shepherd will continue to speak to lead you and guide you in paths of righteousness. It isn't a promise that you won't suffer. In fact, Jesus says you will. But the good shepherd also promises to bind up your wounds and restore your soul. The reality is this, we all need a good shepherd and the good news is that we can all have a good shepherd. So for the Christian, if you're a Christian this, this afternoon watching this and listening to this, please don't allow your trust to wane in the good shepherd. When things are tough and they may well be in all sorts of ways even now, it's easy to begin to question God's love, his power, to question whether we can trust him at all. We think he's wandered from us, but friends, he hasn't. In fact, those are the times often where I find I'm more likely to wander from him. So come back to Jesus. Pick up your Bible and listen to what he has to say to your heart in this situation. That's what his sheep do. They listen to his voice. Talk to him in prayer because he knows you and he loves to hear you pour out your heart to him. He has promised to bind and to strengthen you. He's proved already that he cares for you by dying for you. There's evidence in verse 21. He opens the eyes of the blind. He's good. He's a good shepherd. And so if you find yourself in that position where someone has let you down, please don't let that cloud your impression of, of God, of Jesus the Good Shepherd. You see, people, even in the church, will let you down. In those times, draw near to God and remember he's the one who won't disappoint you. In fact, pray he'll help to restore you to others and unite you with them once more. But maybe you don't know that Good Shepherd yet. You know your need for one and everyone you've turned to has let you down. Well, you're not alone. 
Jesus speaks of other sheep in verse 16. He says that are not of this pen. That means that there is a worldwide mission to bring people everywhere to himself. And Jesus says this, they will listen to my voice. Maybe you're listening to what Jesus is saying to you today. And you're thinking, Jesus, yeah, you sound like the shepherd I need. Well, listen to that voice. Listen to him. You know you need a good shepherd. You know you want a good shepherd. And you recognise that that's Jesus and he's calling you to himself. It may be difficult to know what to do next. Well, get in touch with the church via the website or chat to a Christian friend to find out which steps to take in following the good shepherd. But as we finish, we're going to sing a song about the good shepherd, about the Lord being our shepherd. With a refrain, I will trust in you alone. So I'm going to read the words of Psalm 23 and then we'll sing together. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. My soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen.